Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV online and apps. In episode 124, we feature NBC's Premier League coverage breaks a new record, Univision and TNT break records too, this time for the Champions League, MLS makes an interesting deal to appeal to cord cutters, plus letters from you the listeners in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris and I'm joined by my co-host Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, um, so much to take in from this past week. Uh, of, of course, it was Championship Sunday, which went according to plan for your Manchester City. Uh, but and then also, I mean, you had the Championship playoffs, uh, the semi-finals, as well as I mean, League One, League Two. Uh, where do you want to start? There's so much to cover. Yeah, I mean, there was just a, a, a lot of football on, and then obviously Bundesliga and Serie A winding down uh, toward the end of uh, their seasons, and and yes, and and the Eredivisie. By the way, on ESPN Plus, very tight league race between Ajax and PSV. Checked out some of that, um, Chris. I mean, if anything, this week just showed me how accessible ESPN Plus is making football for for those of us here in the states and that that includes usl us open cup and mls as well but um seria uh the uh, the eravidese and a league league one and league two playoffs now we would always see the championship playoffs back in the day on bn but they would you know only sporadically show uh matches from uh league one and league two but i was able to sit and watch uh forest green and tranmere both legs i was able to sit and watch uh, the first leg of Pompey Sunderland. So um, that's something I, I, and if I had had the time, I probably could have watched uh, Charlton uh, and, and Doncaster as well. So uh, that's pretty remarkable. I that's... watched two Eravidese matches this week. I never could have watched that league before. And obviously right. Serie A, um, not only on ESPN Plus, but they, they had a game on ESPN this week, which was quite significant I... with Mark Donaldson and Matteo Benetti going out there. I mean, just just amazing week for football. Well, that, that's the thing about ESPN Plus is that actually in this week, I think in sport business, Business, uh, a publication that you write for too, that, that you have uh, you mean written extensively for, is there was a article, I think it was actually an interview that uh, Eric Fisher did, the editor, and it was talking about ESPN Plus and uh, interviewing somebody, one of the executives at ESPN Plus, and they are still actively, aggressively searching for more soccer rights to acquire, because it, in some ways, it, it's almost like a gateway drug too. 
You know what I mean? Soccer yeah. fans are diehards, passionate people. And uh, what they did hint at was they said, okay, we're, we're looking at uh, – we don't have as much content from uh, Latin America or Central America or from Mexico. So that's, that's kind of where they're looking to focus on maybe next. Uh, on the European side, there aren't that many rights available other than La Liga, which will be up uh, a year from now, as well as Bundesliga. But uh, it, it looks like ESPN Plus is not stopping acquiring rights. They, they, they got a ton already, and it looks like they're going to get more and more. Well, and, and I don't know, again, if it's um, just my television or my iPad or what it is. But And I, I'll put this to the test again on Saturday because I'm actually traveling with uh, the Miami FC team up to, uh, uh, up to Orlando for a matchup there. So I, I will not see uh, the FA Cup final or the final day of the Bundesliga on my television. I'll be watching it streaming but and obviously Bundesliga is on Fox so we can test that as well but for whatever reason the production levels Chris and I know I mentioned this before of the matches from the football league seem to be at least for me as crisp if not crisper than the Premier League and I don't I don't know that that's the case for everyone but the color seems to be better um the cuts seem to be just as good um yeah, obviously there's there are other drop offs in, in in the presentation, but it's just like the production level itself, the pictures uh, I think are as good if not better. Well, it's interesting too. I mean, just as one example, so I I, I agree with you. The ESPN Plus, uh, the quality of the the stream is really is, is HD. It's it's fantastic. I mean, a lot of that is from BamTech, which uh, Disney acquired. BamTech is uh, really the number one streaming platform in terms of uh, the back end. Uh, the technology that's been used to actually stream content, whether it's HBO Go or Major League Baseball, which is where they came from originally, or ESPN+. Plus. But one example is uh, BR Live. So I've been watching BR Live, of course, this season quite a bit, a lot of the Europa League games, uh, etc. But the streaming quality on there is almost, it looks like SD. It's like standard definition. It is not, it's nowhere near as good as the ESPN+. Plus. Now, going back to the ESPN Plus just for a split second here about the FA Cup final this weekend, one of the criticisms criticisms has been is that there's no very little pre-game, halftime, and post-match uh, content. And it looks like for the FA Cup final, they are going to make more of a conscious effort. Um, I think on the Friday night on the ESPN FC show, they're going to have uh, Dan Thomas and Shaka, Steve Nichol, Craig Burley, uh, as well as uh, Alexis Nunes um, doing an FA Cup kind of preview special. And then they're going to have some um, content on Twitter uh, where they'll have Nunes and, and Burley are going to host their uh, ESPN's first live Twitter show from the pitch at Wembley Stadium Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And they're going to do 30 minutes there. Um, and I guess we'll have to wait and see if there's any halftime. But there will definitely be post-match coverage uh, on ESPN FC for sure. Maybe ESPN Plus. We'll have to wait and see. But, but at least they're making more of an effort there. All right, Kartik. So from this past week, some of the things I caught, uh, I didn't catch as much soccer as I would normally. It's been a crazy week here at the Harris uh, household. But um, one of the things I was really impressed with was the championship. Uh, just in terms of the the sure the sh- the sheer uh, just uh, ecstasy and excitement. I mean, these games were, I mean, back and forth, goals galore. Uh, I mean, the Leeds derby second leg uh, on Wednesday. I mean, you, I'm going into the first 20 minutes thinking, okay, this is Leeds. Leeds are going to win this one. You can just tell they have the momentum. They're mo- moving forward. They're, they're looking good. They have the, the home crowd. 
which was a great atmosphere at Ellen Road. And then Darby comes back, and then all of a sudden it's it's a it's a Darby hit, hitting them back, and Darby going through. But th- this game was kind of an example of um, just the sheer the sheer brilliance, really. I mean, just the excitement level, how open the championship is. Not 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 even just the playoffs, but just the league itself. Uh, I've watched the championship this season more than I've ever done, and uh, I love it. I mean, it's really entertaining stuff. Uh, I think I think you would agree, Kartik. Yeah, that's that's ESPN Plus. Obviously, that's given us the uh, exposure to the championship, and I've watched so much of it this season. Uh, at times, watched more of it than the Premier League. Although toward the end of the season, it was more Premier League than Championship. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I just have to say, I thought Derby played terrible football over the two legs. They were giving the ball away. They were playing long ball. Uh, I really felt like Villa. Uh, Dean Smith's a great manager. Villa played good football. West Brom tried at times to play good football, uh, but they were handcuffed by uh, sending off and not having Hal robson Condu through suspension. Dwight Gale got sent off in the first leg. Chris Brunt got sent off in the second leg. Uh, Leeds tried to play football. They always do under Bielsa. I just, I'm disappointed uh, Darby went through, not only because I want to see Leeds back up in the Premier League, now I want to see Villa back up in the Premier League, but because I just don't feel like of those four teams, they were playing very kind of traditional English-style tactics that people decry. And... Uh, uh, Frank Lampard may turn out to be a great manager down the road, but and maybe it's due to personnel, but I just did not like what I saw from them in these two likes, and quite honestly did not like what I saw from them toward the end of the season. Um, but, you know, goals change games, Chris. I think the most important yeah. thing in this game was, the, was the, the defensive error right before halftime. Leeds goes into the dressing room, shell-shocked, and then Darby comes right, off, right out after the kickoff and scores. In fact, was watching it in the Miami FC office yesterday, and uh, Darren McCartney, uh, VP of Operations, who I work with at the NASL, big, big Liverpool fan, but, you know, like me, has wanted to see Leeds back in the top division as long as I've known him, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I was watching the game with him. He goes, gets a drink, comes back after halftime, you know, thinking that's the end of halftime and Darby had already scored. And he's like, ah, I'm not going to watch this anymore. That's that. And uh, we kind of knew at that point that was it. Yeah, it's uh, it was entertaining, at least for, for, for the spectator, for the viewer on that one. Now, the, the Championship Sunday, um, it never fails. Almost every single Championship Sunday, so the, the last day of the Premier League season, almost always seems to fall on Mother's Day. So for me, always. I know. It's, it's just the worst timing. So uh, in terms of Mother's Day commitments, uh, in terms of, you mean, just... You mean usually my, uh, my wife is kind of number one, in, especially on Mother's Day, but other days too, maybe we'll see. But um, but anyway, as well as my mother, of course. So I didn't get a chance a chance to watch as much Championship Sunday coverage as I normally would. Uh, yeah, the two hour uh, two hour pregame, I, I missed most of that, I, I believe. But then I, I tuned in and was able to watch uh, the Liverpool Wolves game and, and Man City Brighton game. Um, the one thing that 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 left me from this coverage was, and I thought this this is kind of a little bit strange, is at the end of the game. So at the final whistle, I mean, we know that. I mean, by in the second half, it's it's done and dusted, but we're continuing to watch the programming. And as soon as the final whistle goes, it goes split screen. And I'm okay with going split screen and showing, okay, Anfield, uh, you mean Jurgen Klopp kind of applauding the crowds and, and the players at Liverpool, a little bit de- dejected for sure. Um, as well, And then the split screen with the Man City players at Brighton, I mean, just ecstatic and uh, Vincent uh, company just going crazy, etc. But then the split screen seems to last for like five minutes or so. They kept on going, going. I'm, I'm, I'm on the Liverpool side at Anfield. I'm like, okay, okay we can probably get rid of that split screen now because it's really not anything of value that they're showing. It's just, uh, 
I don't know. It was it was it was strange. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thinking I'm thinking is is that they wanted to hold on to have the split screens just to hold on for the Liverpool supporters, so they didn't leave in droves, uh, just to kind of uh, you mean keep those viewers hooked. Uh, but it was strange because I, I I thought you mean as soon as they win. Go to go to Anfield for a, uh, you mean maybe maybe a minute maybe thirty seconds and then just give me the full screen of Manchester City, uh, you mean the trophy celebration and the the lap of honor and all those things. It was strange. Did you see the same thing, Kartik? Yeah, I did, and I also noticed at the beginning of the second half, uh, Arlo White talking over "You Never Walk Alone." You had complimented Stu Holden a week or two earlier for 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 asking the TNT crew to be quiet during, uh, and that was pregame. But uh, this was at the beginning of the second half. But I found that to be kind of odd. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought the the, the the split screen was. Um, I noticed that too. That it went on for for three or four minutes, maybe not quite five minutes, but it was it was a while. And um, I I. Um, I also think that Clyde Tilsley was Clive Tilsley was just off off the charts good um, in the way he presented the lead up to the Man City uh, Palace match when they went to him and Lee Dixon um, and then uh, the, the the trophy ceremony. He was just uh, it was good to see him uh, in, the, in, in with NBC uh, doing this the last uh, six weeks or so of the season. It's kind of stunning to me again because we've talked so much about 1999, right, and Manchester United and mm-hmm. and the treble, and he was the voice of that treble, right, because he yeah. was calling that match for ITV, um, at least for audiences in the UK, that he had never called a Premier League match until he got a call from got the phone call from uh, NBC uh, to call matches for the US audience. It's still pretty stunning to me, but he, he was fantastic. Yeah, well, that's the thing though, too. I mean, I mean. Based on the programming decision that NBC made uh, on that Monday, where after, after Man City um, had beaten uh, Leicester uh, in that game, and then we we found out right then that that uh, the big game was going to be on Liverpool, uh, Liverpool on NBC was going to be Liverpool Wolves, and then NBCSN was going to be Brighton against Man City. Anytime I've brought up the the name Arlo White um, to Pierre Musa. He was a fantastic executive producer, but he's gotten very defensive, always kind of st- stating, OK, just for the record, just to let you know, Arlo White is still the number one lead announcer and, and will continue to be so, which which I, I completely understand and, and I have no issues with. But from this match from Championship Sunday, I mean, the focal point was Clive Tildesley because, I mean, once we knew for sure that, I mean, Man City was going to win it, it was all Clive Tildesley, I mean, in terms of his voice uh, his commentary post-match. It was him talking over the scenes that we're seeing. It wasn't Ola White. Ola White's at Anfield and the Anfield crew pretty much, you mean, turned off the mics and they're, they're done. And I thought that was a bit, a bit strange, really, because, I mean, if you're Ola White, you want your voice to be the one that everyone remembers on that Championship Sunday, on that final day. They were really banking on Liverpool causing an upset or, or Brighton causing an upset. And it, I mean, it, it's it's... It's easy to be a, a Monday morning quarterback and kind of in hindsight looking back at the decision. Uh, but then again, though, I mean, Liverpool against Wolves is going to generate higher TV ratings than yep. Brighton against Man City, even though the Brighton-Man City game has more relevance. There's just not as many Man City supporters in the United States. So it's right. it's, it's definitely a decision that, that plays into TV ratings. But if I'm all, all, all a white, I'm thinking like, man, I should have just been at uh, at the Amex Stadium and, and uh, being the lead commentator. Let's put Clive Tilsley at Anfield. 
Right, but if Liverpool does happen to win the title, Arlo White's at Anfield, and it's a bigger story than Man City winning the title. Who knows? Man City might still, I mean, Liverpool might still win this title. Let's see if Man City gets stock points uh, if they engage in third-party ownership. Wait, 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 wait. Is that possible? I don't know. No one said it's possible, but I do think uh, if the New York Times report is accurate, the Premier League has to look into it. Obviously, financial fair play, the Etihad deal, which I've said for a year, is, I, I believe is cooked just based yeah. on knowing the Etihad situation. That's one thing. But the third-party ownership piece, we saw what happened to West Ham. Now, they didn't get docked points, but I think 12 years later, everyone is saying, how did they get not get docked points? Why did Sheffield United get relegated that season? So uh, let's see. I mean, well, it, it's unlikely. Maybe Man City gets docked points to start the next season, uh, next year. But um, it's still possible, I guess. Yeah, well, that, that would be huge, Kartik. That would be, I mean, that would be probably the biggest thing that's ever happened in Premier League football in terms of, of a news story where you mean a, a team gets docked points and gets the title taken away from them. I, I find that very unlikely. I mean, it's definitely... Yeah, it's it, unlikely. If they get docked points, they'll be next season. Yeah, and, and even that. I mean, even that's probably unlikely too. I mean, to me, it's kind of, it seems to be more of a kind of definitely pushed on the UEFA side where UEFA is going to be the one to come down and make their decision. And I can see the Premier League kind of just uh, carefully and quietly kind of step sidestepping that one and just uh, even moving on and pretending that nef- n- nothing ever happened. Um, and maybe saying some, some, something kind of um, dismissive or something. But uh, yeah, that would, that would rock the world, uh, definitely the football world. The, the thing that was interesting also, Chris, was that um, NBC decided to stay with uh, the coverage on NBC over the air uh, for – uh, goal zone, which they've done on previous championship Sundays, but then the the Premier League download, which was uh, the the ninety nine uh, documentary, which they've now shown uh, four or five times, uh, which features obviously uh, uh, Steve Bauer heavily, who, who contributes for for NBC's coverage and was the host of Man U TV at the Man- Manchester United TV at the time, uh, etc. Uh, but that that was a good three hour block of. Uh, programming after the match ended, after Liverpool Wolves ended, and they had a two-hour block before the matches kicked off. So all told, uh, I'm trying to count that, seven hours of programming over the air on NBC. That's a commitment level to soccer we have never seen from an American network outside of uh, outside of World Cups, maybe uh, 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 World Cups and Women's World Cups. Uh, it, it's pre- it was pretty remarkable. Yeah, the, the only other thing I can think of really that's come close to that, and it's, it's, it's nothing, it, it's not as good as that, is when they've had, and this is, this is going back a few years now, when NBC had a couple of the documentaries that they put on. So they had uh, the Swansea City documentary, I think they had a Crystal Palace documentary, and they put that on over the air television, uh, which was a huge deal. I mean, kind of, I mean, here's an hour to two hours of uh, a soccer documentary right after a. Uh, Twelve thirty to two thirty uh, match, which whoever it was a few years ago, um, that that's definitely a big deal there. But but yeah, no, you're right, Kartik. That's a, a huge commitment, especially on over there television, where um, I mean it's it's prime uh, prime time advertising dollars. Speaking- and, and this coincided. So, sorry, Chris, but yeah. just really want to get this in. This interestingly coincided with uh, Fox having a, a two matches on Big Fox, one Bundesliga match, one MLS match this weekend, and then. ESPN uh, sending their crew to, I think I may have mentioned this earlier, to Rome uh, and showing a match on big ESPN in Serie A, the, the Roma-Juventus match. Juventus were wearing horrid kits. I don't know what those were, some specialty kits. but no, it's, um, it's the new home kit. 
You're kidding. No, no, no. They're, they're going to be worse. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, gosh. But, okay. So I'll just have to get used to those. But d- d- for whatever reason, this week seems to have been the high watermark for um, soccer either over the air or on uh, big ESPN, which is, you know, in so many homes and so much in all, in all the sports bars, et cetera, uh, usually the default channel that it's almost like an over the air channel in some ways. Really uh, a remarkable weekend when you think about that, coming after a week where soccer entered the consciousness of American casual sports fans because of the Champions League and what happened in the Champions League. And uh, your article yesterday reflects the television ratings. Uh, Univision um, is uh, blown away all kinds of records uh, uh, for for, uh, ratings in this country. And then uh, TNT, I know we're going to get to this in a minute, TNT, even though they're behind Univision, is doing substantially better than FS1 did. Mm -hmm. So with that, though, Kartik, with over-the-air television and, and soccer being more accessible, there, come, there does come risks. There does come issues. And I think you witnessed it this past weekend. I missed the game, so, but you witnessed it with uh, the Bundesliga. Yeah, so I, I, uh, I should have expected it. I get up, I'm fired up. You know, Dortmund's playing on FS1. Bayern is on Fox over the air. Uh, and I turn on the Dortmund game first. So it's great, you know, and, and uh, they have a proper pregame show Fox. I'm like, okay, this is what we complain about every week on the show, right? Some they're inconsistent. This is one of the better weeks Um, match kicks off. uh, Dortmund match kicks off. I switched to channel seven and they're showing paid ads. It's like, Oh my gosh, this is Leipzig. Yeah. Infomercials. Uh, First place Bayern uh, trying to hold off a charge from Dortmund and, uh, and third, uh, Place Leipzig, who uh, had a title shot until the previous week, until they had drawn the previous week. But um, one of the feature Bundesliga matches of the year, not just because of title implications, just it's Bayern versus Leipzig uh, at Leipzig, not on. So um, ended up having to watch uh, Dortmund, uh, uh, Dortmund uh, and Fortuna straight through, which was fine. But um, it's up to local affiliates to preempt preempt programming, which is what we saw. Now, they did show the Atlanta Orlando game. Uh, the next day, which was on a, uh, um, which was on during the uh, during the day, right, a two p.m. match. They did show that, but they didn't show this. And I this weekend, as I said, I'm I'm, I'm on the bus with Miami FC going up to Orlando, so I don't know if uh, they're going to show Eintracht and Bayern, which is the assigned uh, big Fox match and a huge match, not only for Bayern winning the title, but Eintracht who have uh, stumbled. I think Europa League really took a chunk out of them. They need three points and some help to get back, get into Champions League. Um, so it's a huge, huge match. And and that's the thing, though, too, is that uh, this weekend's game, so the final day of the Bundesliga uh, season, coming down to the very last day, uh, the games, the Bayern game, against RB Leipzig, I believe it is. Um, but anyway, the Bayern Munich game is on Big Fox, and then uh, the Dortmund game is on FS1 again, so Saturday. So hopefully for WSVN viewers in Miami, as well as other places too, the other affiliates too, is that these, these games will be shown and they won't be running infomercials. Now, Kartik, uh, before we move on to the TV news section, what what about uh, the Dortmund Dusseldorf game? I I didn't see this. I saw you posted on Twitter, but uh, I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of paint the scene in terms of uh, a couple of minutes of really sensational television coverage. 
Yeah, so um, this is something, and again, I, we don't want to beat up on MLS constantly on the show. There are, and I have said that there are pe- uh, players have to make individual decisions. There are some American players who are better off staying in Major League Soccer than going to Europe. They're just better equipped, whether it's psychologically or mentally, or maybe even getting the most out of their game, staying in the U.S. So I'm not trying to paint a broad picture of everybody. But when Christian Pulisic got subbed off, Lucien Favre, realizing it's his last match, um, at home, Dortmund uh, typically have what the second biggest crowds in Europe, right behind Barcelona, eighty thousand, eighty-one thousand. Uh, it was pretty amazing. I've never seen an American get this reception before at, at a huge European club. Um, he gets subbed off last time at home. Entire stadium rises, standing ovation. Uh, gave me goosebumps as an American watching this for an American player. And I know I tweeted at that moment, this is a sort of adulation, those guys who stay in MLS, those who want to be, who want to understand what it's like, the culture of football, they'll never feel. And I didn't mean this as a shot at Landon Donovan specifically, which some people took it as, although maybe I was thinking about him specifically, who knows, when I tweeted it, Uh, or any other specific American player, Jordan Morris, whoever else. But it was, as an American, just almost brought tears to my eyes. And the appreciation that crowd had for Pulisic, who at the age of 20 has won, uh, is the most decorated Bundesliga player outside of – uh, outside of Julian Draxler and uh, and Thomas Muller at that age, uh, which is pretty elite company, uh, says a lot. And uh, it was just amazing. As an American, I, I don't know how it could not bring goosebumps to you. But um, again, I, I didn't mean it as a shot completely at MLS. But if you're an elite player, you'll never quite get that feeling if you don't try and test yourself uh, on the big stage, like going to a Borussia Dortmund or a club of, of that size. Hi, Kartik. Let's move on to TV streaming news. Yeah, it was a big weekend for NBC or a big championship Sunday. A record 2.2 million watched the Premier League season finale across NBC Sports various networks. Uh, that obviously included a huge number for Liverpool Wolves, but also uh, some surprising numbers for matches on USA and Sci-Fi uh, featuring Manchester United and Spurs. Yeah, definitely uh, big numbers there. Um, I mean, it helped definitely that the the season, the Premier League season, went down to the final day, uh, and a lot on the line, especially with the Liverpool and Man City. Uh, of course, the relegation battle was wrapped up, and the positions for the top four looked pretty solidified going into that final day. But still, great numbers, and overall for the entire season for the 2018-2019 Premier League season, the uh, viewing figures were up two percent compared to the year before. So that's a positive. Uh, all in all, I think I mean we we definitely had some complaints about the Premier League coverage. Uh, actually, more so the, about the Premier League itself, uh, as, as well as some of the Premier League coverage on NBCSN. But overall, I, I, th- I think uh, I mean they're still raising the bar uh, season after season. That was one of the questions I had for Pierre Musa uh, in the podcast interview that we did last week. Is I mean how much further can that bar be raised? And um, they always find ways to do it. So. Um, they're on the right course. I think they're doing well, and the numbers show that. Now, speaking of numbers, we had some big numbers too. This is from Univision Deportes and TNT. Of course, Univision Deportes, who will be changing their name this summer to 
to do uh, do the n or uh, to do the n a, which is uh, the correct Spanish uh, pronunciation, making it even more difficult <laughs> for Anglo English speakers to figure out how to pronounce their network. But Univision Deportes, um, some huge numbers. Um, I mean, for example, the the semi final. Actually, well, the coverage coverage to date has been the biggest, uh, most watched Spanish language coverage of the Champions League ever. Uh, some massive numbers for the semi-final rounds, of course, with uh, Liverpool, Barcelona, and Spurs and Ajax on the TNT side too. They broke records. Uh, their viewership is is up way up uh, compared to what Fox had uh, last season, as well as in previous years. So the very watchable pre-match coverage by TNT of the UEFA Champions League. I mean, one-hour pre-game show. Uh, they've stuck to the game plan and they've done the one-hour all season long. Uh, has done well for them. I mean, the viewership for those telecasts are up 91% compared to last year's coverage, pre-match coverage uh, for through to the UEFA Champions League finals on Fox. The other stat that's really impressive is that uh, the viewership among women is up 96%, 96% uh, on TNT compared to uh, Fox and FS1. And that's a great sign. Uh, Obviously, more people tuning into the TNT side of things and being more of a mainstream audience rather than a very maybe male-centric sports channel. So, So, yeah, everything's looking good there. Yeah, the demographics of TNT and uh, FS1 couldn't be more different, actually, for their normal viewership. I don't want to get too deep down this rabbit hole, but it's no surprise that that female viewership is up on TNT. Um, moving on, Chris, uh, MLS, and this is kind of ex- that flew under the radar with all this football news uh, this week, has launched their first uh, league channel on um, Pluto TV, which is a free streaming service which more and more people are using. Um, and this uh, this free TV channel will be uh, – this free um, MLS channel on Pluto TV will be a 24-hour channel. Uh, it will not carry, will carry uh, replays, condensed matches, I understand – uh, classic matches, including um, the MLS Cup from last year, the, the Atlanta-Portland match, studio analysis, and uh, a lot of documentary programs. And a lot of MLS's uh, good programs, good documentary programs that have just been digital only to this point. So uh, pretty exciting. Now, MLS used to have a channel on Roku and on Apple TV, et cetera, that got folded into MLS Live. And uh, in that process, or sorry, folded into MLS Live, then into ESPN Plus, which in that process, we lost a lot of access to these sort of features uh, outside of uh, straight digital using your laptop or, or iPad type stuff. So this is actually me personally because i uh mls did a great job with that stuff a few years ago and it was accessible and available and it's become less so over the course of the last few years Mm -hmm. yeah it's definitely a smart move by major league soccer to make their content more accessible the the only issue i have with this is is not with mls but it's with pluto i mean pluto tv is a a cord cutting you mean streaming platform you can watch a ton of content and i and i've been trying to watch stuff on it for the last couple of years, but I can never find any, anything of value. It's usually some really cheap content, just really just nothing of value. And maybe uh, this will help in terms of Major League Soccer, having some of the content on that streaming service and making it uh, more valuable in terms of having some content on there to watch. Again, for other people that might love to, Pluto TV and find some great programming on there, for me personally, even though they've got a ton of channels for free, I just can never find anything, so maybe this will help out. One more news item, and this is a big one, Kartik. 
Yeah, so NPSL this week has signed a agreement which gives Mike Mike Hujo TV, who's broadcast a lot of NPSL games, broadcast a lot of just soccer matches from across the world. They are a soccer only platform. Um, preferred rights in terms of being the preferred vendor to stream and broadcast matches. Uh, this is for the entire NPSL, 90 some odd teams across the country, uh, and uh, uh, which is in play right now. I am actually part of a broadcast team from Miami FC. We're in that league uh, that you that uses the MyCujo platform. So uh, big news, big news for a platform that shows matches from around the world. Of course, they're based in, in the Netherlands and has been a great boon to football fans. And actually, they're that their quality has gotten much better. And one thing, um, since we've talked a lot about ESPN Plus on this episode, I want to mention Mike Cujo has the ability, uh, they mark goals, they mark significant incidents in matches when you go back and watch an archive stream. Uh, that's one thing that ESPN Plus is missing mm-hmm. that Mike Cujo and other streaming services have. Um, and I've gotten so much feedback about that just relative to UPSL matches here in South Florida. Um, they have a bunch of UPSL teams in your neighborhood in, in Palm Beach County, Chris, and then uh, NPSL matches is that the ability to go and um, – see the goals quickly or the or the red card incident quickly uh, is one reason people really like that platform. Yeah, that's a really cool feature. All right, let's move on to TV ratings. And uh, we will have all of the numbers from this past week uh, at worldsoccertalk.com in the next uh, 24 to 48 hours. But some of the numbers that jumped out, Kartik, in the first segment, you talked about a lot of the games on over-the-air television. Well, Liverpool against Wolves had 854,000 viewers watching that game on NBC on Sunday. Of course, at the same time, there were nine other games going on in the Premier League. Uh, We don't have all those numbers right now, but we will have them soon. But um, some of the other Premier League numbers from that day, 443,000 people watched the Brighton Man City game. And uh, looking down at some of the other numbers, too, you got Man United against Cardiff, 143,000 people watched that on USA, and then Everton Spurs on Sci-Fi, uh, 142,000 viewers. The U.S. Women's National Team Friendly against South Africa on Fox on Sunday, uh, 705,000 viewers on that one. So that's good news. Uh, people are tuning in. They're interested in the U.S. Women's National Team, as they should be. And uh, hopefully that will continue to rise as we get closer to the Women's World Cup. And uh, Atlanta against Orlando on Fox on Sunday, which is the match before the U.S. women's national team game. That one had uh, 395,000 viewers. uh, Decent there. RB Leipzig against uh, Bayern. uh, This is the game from last weekend. 348,000 viewers on Fox. Uh, Speaking of the the Bundesliga, Dortmund against Dusseldorf on FS1, 105,000 viewers. And last but not least, uh, Roma against Juventus uh, on ESPN. On Sunday, uh, the game that you mentioned that uh, Mark Donaldson and Matteo Bonetti were at the stadium commentating uh, 246,000 uh, viewers for that one, which is probably, I'm pretty sure, the best uh, Serie A uh, viewing number for the week. Yeah, but, uh, uh, but those, those uh, Chris, those numbers, um, uh, the U.S. women's number was remarkable. I missed that match and, and forgotten that was on Big Fox, quite frankly, so I didn't mean to slight that because uh, because obviously, I, as listeners of this podcast know, I watch a lot of women's football. It was just a crazy week. Um Roma Juventus, the number for this match, as well as Dortmund Dusseldorf, even with another um, Bundesliga match being on uh, Big Fox at the same time. The numbers for those matches being where they are, I think, is a real warning sign for La Liga. Not that La Liga doesn't know this already, but um, they've got to get off BN as much as we love BN's coverage. Uh, 246 for a um, 
a, a Serie A match that Juventus has already won the title. Roma might get the fourth. They may not. Uh, is um, it's a warning sign because it, it's you see through the course of this season, even though Bundesliga numbers are still low, they're improving. You see Serie A numbers, even though they're still low, improving. You see the platforms those two leagues are currently on in this country, uh, elevating the number of people who are at least engaged in watching those leagues. And the La Liga numbers are flat, if not down, because of the uh, lack of accessibility of BN. So uh, I think that this will be noted at La Liga headquarters. Yeah, it reminds me of how the Bundesliga, when the Bundesliga was on Gold TV and they were behind the eight ball, they were didn't have the distribution that I mean the Premier League and other leagues had, and they were late to the game. I mean, in terms of uh, getting onto Fox and then having greater dis- distribution, or at least the opportunity to have greater viewing numbers. And La Liga is in that same spot right now where they're behind the eight ball. They're on a, I mean, a network that uh, does good coverage but does not have the distribution because of the deals uh, falling through with DirecTV and Comcast. And they have to come out big and bold uh, in this next deal. And we'll probably do a whole podcast maybe next week on that as far as uh, where they should go. But, uh, yeah, absolutely, Kartik, 100%. And I'm sure La Liga already knows that. But it's always good to re- re- reiterate that point. Now, moving on to listen to the mailbag. First step is uh, Aram uh, Gumusian, and he says, uh, you and Kartik know your football, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on two-legged ties versus single el- elimination games. The second legs of the Champions League semifinals were insane, and then this week, the second legs of West Brom against Aston Villa and Leeds against Derby were packed with wild end-to-end action. There's something special about the second leg of a two-legged tie. MLS has gotten rid of two-legged ties for the playoffs this year. Is it the right move? Um, yes and no. Okay, I think the two-legged ties are better. Uh, the reason why I think eliminating it is good for MLS is because if they insist on having regular season and playoffs and and uh, the regular season has had little value because the two-leg ties, what we've seen happen at MLS because there's so much competitive balance in that league – is that the team that gets the first leg tends to, to win the two-leg tie. The team that, that gets the first leg at home, I should say. And that's that's the lower-seeded team. So at least in this format, um, I guess the higher-seeded team gets an advantage for playing better in the right – having a better points total in the regular season, I suppose. Yeah, I like the excitement of two-leg ties. Champions League and – the championship playoffs have shown us that, and and uh, uh, we'll have a relegation playoff soon in in uh, in Germany that will sh- demonstrate that to us again, uh, which Stuttgart will be in. But uh, yeah, I, I just it's the devaluing of the MLS regular season that I thought maybe if you go to a single leg, Chris, perhaps you add more value to the regular season. Now, I don't know if that's happening or not. We, we won't know till the end of this season. Uh, but um, the MLS regular season still seems very uneven. Atlanta United, for all the talk that DeBoer should get the sack and how terrible they are, I think they uh, they might be close to being top of the Eastern Conference again because they've gone on a run and now yeah. I think they've, they've won five straight league matches and uh, they're right back up there. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, my, my, my thinking on this is that uh, I, I love two-legged ties, but for Major League Soccer right now, I think the the one tie, the one the, the knockout game, and that's it, is better. Part of it is because, a huge part of it is because of scheduling. 
So sometimes with the uh, the playoffs, and then you have the first leg, and then depending on if there's a FIFA break or there's something happening in between, it could be a couple of weeks before the the second leg is played, or sometimes even longer. Um, so the issue to me is more the the scheduling and the calendar, and then also coming up against a lot of the um, the American sports, the big sports. You I mean whether it's NFL or college football or just just different things going on a world series and things are happening it gets lost in the shuffle so i think for major league soccer right now it probably makes sense to go with the the single game but uh if and when probably if uh mls changes their calendar in the future to uh be more favorable to its you mean competition uh, more favorable to major league soccer and less favorable to the competition it's probably better to uh, maybe then look at a two-legged tie for uh, the playoffs monty reed uh comments in in terms of uh, a podcast we had a couple weeks ago talking about uh the potential of being sports and uh, or La Liga leaving being sports. He says, great podcast, but I will disagree with La Liga leaving being sports. Number one, BN has La Liga in a lot of other markets around the world. Almost every market that BN is in, they have La Liga. Number two, BN has shirt contracts with at least one La Liga team. This shows commitment. Number three, BN's main programming is La Liga. And with the Connect channels, every La Liga match is on TV to include La Liga TV. Even some of the the, uh, La Liga 2 games uh, are shown on Connect channels. Number four, like you said in the podcast when complaining about Fox, BN has quality pregame, halftime, and postgame shows and weekly shows. Number five, if Fox gets La Liga, please know for all the reasons you complain about Fox. Number six, if ESPN gets them, we should expect the same deal as Serie A. One match a week on ESPN2 with the rest of the matches on ESPN+. How is this an upgrade? What about La Liga TV? Number seven, BR Live. Unless matches are played on TNT or TBS, this would not be an upgrade. Number eight, DAZN. Not an upgrade at this time. Number nine, Univision maybe, but what about the English language? Uh, Late La Liga games and early Liga uh, MX games will conflict at times. Number 10, NBC. Direct competition of the EPL could reopen a lawsuit with Comcast and be in. Number 11, uh, La Liga's own streaming platform, maybe in the future, but not right now. Cost is too high when networks are willing to pay millions for the rights. And, and Monty, all these are good points. And, and, and really what I'm saying in terms of what I said a couple of weeks ago on the podcast is that uh, I believe that even if BN Sports came in and give, gave a higher offer, uh, to La Liga in terms of the, the, the monetary value for to renew the rights to La Liga. I believe that La Liga would say, thanks, but no thanks, but we need to go with somebody with a greater distribution that have has access to free-to-air television. Imagine a Barcelona-Real Madrid game on a Saturday afternoon on ABC or CBS or Fox or NBC or, or some of these um, over-the-air channels. That would be massive. They don't have that right now. And for all the great things that BN has done for La Liga and for the coverage and everything that they do, you mean, behind the scenes and on-air, pre-match, halftime, the commitment that they've shown, um, I'm talking about specifically the U.S. market. In the U.S. market, it makes sense for La Liga to leave BN Sports once the contract is up. And um, yes, they have great deals overseas, and they have, uh, I mean, tight. They have shirt contracts. They have all these different things ha- happening. I just feel for La Liga, it's best to leave being sports when the time is right, which is going to be in the next twelve months. 
Yeah, and, and as in terms of the Univision thing, that's a great point that they it'll conflict with Liga Mekis matches. Now, I think though um, there might be a workaround on that if if uh, Univision gets the rights in terms of Unimas or Univision Deportes uh, or uh, the rebranded network. Sorry, uh, but that this uh, this question is, I think. Not an open one with La Liga. I think they are going to get off being in this country. It's a matter of where they go and yeah. which of those other options Monty has listed. They they uh, choose to exercise. They've retained relevant sports uh, in a venture La Liga USA. We've, we've, we've talked to our La Liga Americas that we've talked about uh, previously on this show. And uh, I think they'll make a, a strategic decision, not just a decision based on who gives them the biggest money in terms of rights, because I think they're now realizing that there is an opportunity cost. If you go to a network that may fork over more for rights, but their distribution isn't quite at the level of others. Um, and the, the danger signs are there with Serie A on ESPN. And, and uh, who knows what happens with the Bundesliga after this contract, but for, as of now, they're on Fox. So La Liga is, is sitting fourth among the European leagues in the United States in terms of visibility and distribution, when in fact it should be second. Let's be honest about it. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, or it could be it could be argued they should be first. Into well, it could be they could be first, right? With, second, with at, I was going to say population. second at the least. Yeah, yeah, second at worst, first perhaps, but right there with the Premier League. Yeah. So, uh, this is a critical time for them, and they. Are, I I love BN. I love BN's coverage. Uh, Chris, you and I are friendly with a lot of the, the talented BN, but I, I don't see any way they stay on BN. Yeah, quite honest. Yeah. I think it's a done. Yeah, so, so, so let's save that one for a more detailed, in-depth discussion for next week's podcast, where we'll discuss uh, our thoughts about uh, where La Liga should go to, uh, and, and, and the Bundesliga too, because there's a lot of the same issues that we have uh, with uh, the distribution of, well, distribution of La Liga. There's a lot of issues overlapping with the Bundesliga, and both the rights for the, both of those leagues are coming up to, for renewal at the same exact time which is at the end of the 2019-2020 uh, the season. So 12 months from now, we'll know for sure where those leagues are going. Rico Richardson said uh, on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, we missed this on last week's pod, but I don't see how relegation games will translate to a, an American TV audience, and especially for Major League Soccer. Even if a promotion relegation happens, you still need play- playoffs to decide a champion. Now, this is something that... Um, I just don't get Kartik. And, and, and this is something that, I mean, I'm not wrapped into the, I mean, Amer- traditional American sports culture where it's, I mean, uh, baseball playoffs, it's NBA playoffs, it's uh, NFL playoffs, where playoffs are a massive deal. And for me personally, I'd rather have relevance to a regular season where, I mean, the table doesn't lie. Whoever finishes first, I mean, and we saw with Man City against Liverpool right down to the very wire, how absorbing that race was for those two teams. I mean, two of the probably best performing teams we've seen competing in a Premier League for quite some time in terms of that at the high level. The rest of the league, maybe not so much. But, But in terms of the playoffs, I just don't get how people believe that that's the only way that you need to decide to decide a champion. Uh, am I wrong with this? 
No, you're not wrong. In fact, I, I'm I'm having more and more qualms with the Champions League. I know this is sacrilege a week after the beauty of the Champions League, because when I evaluate Real Madrid winning three Champions Leagues in a row at a time when their status at four out of five, at a time when their status was slipping even domestically, and uh, they were only really contending for a title one of those years of those five uh, of those four years that they won uh, the Champions League, you begin to realize that the nature of uh, knockout competitions creates more random results or the ability for one player, in this case, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, to take over matches and exert his will to get his team uh, to lift a trophy. Now, that might be a great viewing spectacle. Okay, I get that about playoffs. I get that about Champions League. Does it create the most worthy champion? Um, No. The most worthy champion is awarded if you have a balanced schedule. You have a nine-month season. Again, we have a nine-month season in European football, not a four-month season like these American sports. Um, You are competing in a global marketplace, so you have to play for nine months in order to keep your players at an optimum level for international competition and for those European competitions, continental competitions. Uh, And the only way to determine a champion is is balanced schedule and, and who has the most points. It's the fairest way it's a worthy champion you could have a playoff now liverpool could be the two seed they could play wolves the seven seed wolves eliminated them remember from the fa cup right mm-hmm. um and they could be eliminated <laughs> right think about that yeah and then wolves could go on and win the premier league title now that might be exciting for for, for some fans but i don't think it, it pr- provides you a worthy champion um this is the issue with major league soccer i mean the champions have been pretty random um i talk about the new york red bulls the red uh with a lot of fondness and say they're the one team to me now atlanta has done it to a certain extent but that have created a structure created a style of play have um developed really good young players Tyler Adams being the standout of that group uh, had a a philosophy. Jesse Marsh had such a good philosophy, passing uh, uh, ball control football, pressing high, winning the ball back that he's gotten now a head coaching job in Europe. Um, Yet people will point out to me, well, they've never won anything. I'm like, what are you talking about? They've won three or four supporter shields. They've had the best record of the, oh no, but they never win in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's ridiculous. The fact that even the narrative about one team in MLS the one team I, I, I put on kind of a pedestal, I respect them the most for their body of work over the last decade, um, is, is shot at because of random results in playoffs where they were always the higher seed, by the way, and got eliminated by lower seeded teams, including last season by Atlanta. Um, to me, it just makes uh, the playoffs ridiculous. If you actually want to award worthy champions and have um, – worthy discussions now if you just want entertainment and randomness and and oh we never know what's going to happen then yeah playoffs are cool and that's uh why i guess the champions league has the, the fans it does it, it, would, it would be different if the tv ratings for the major league soccer playoffs were amazing if those numbers were through the roof they're like oh my gosh these ratings are huge we've got you mean six hundred thousand people watching this game and you mean five hundred thousand watching this and you mean whatever the numbers are, would, would be if, it, if that was the case, I could say that Major League Soccer and American soccer fans would have a case to make and say, well, the playoffs are the time when everyone tunes in, they get excited, and you know, they're watching these games in huge numbers. The opposite is true. The numbers for the, the playoffs are just as poor, if not poorer, in, in some cases, in many cases, than the regular season. And the regular season, you mean, for the most part, the average soccer fan in the United States is not tuning in to watch the regular season of Major League Soccer. They might tune in now and again when it's convenient, but they're not watching it religiously. 
they're not hanging on to every game or every weekend or you mean watching those games religiously from March until you know, August. And, and then next season is going to start in February, even sooner. It's going to start mid-February all the way to you mean, August. They're not doing that. So, I, yeah, to me, I do not get, understand the whole concept of playoffs. Um, you mean, it's, it is Russian roulette. It is one of those. It can be exciting. I mean, but the numbers show that people are not interested in that. So, um, so, so going back to Rico Richardson's comment about uh, that you need to have playoffs to, to decide a champion. Uh, I don't know. To me, stick with baseball, stick with NBA, stick with the NFL, stick with college football. And, and, maybe, and maybe that's the way to go because in soccer, it doesn't make any sense when you have such a, a long season with well, so look, many meaningful games. I mean, college football was a sport that didn't have playoffs until uh, four years ago uh, or five years ago. Sorry, 2014 was the first playoff. I um, it fundamentally changed the way the sport was viewed, but it was a push to push playoffs in that sport. I look back and I I don't know. Maybe they never should have introduced the playoffs. I mean, college football and I and Chris, you've heard me make yeah. discuss discuss for many times uh, over the years. College football was the sport more similar to European football in terms of you know the American sport in terms of fans, in terms of the setup, and it was they even rejected playoffs for years and years and years. There are various reasons for that, but uh, I don't want to get into on the show. I, I just think now there's more controversy about what happens in the playoffs, who, who, uh, who didn't get into the playoffs. Uh, is, is that number one team really the best team? You know, it gives you great spectacles and the television ratings have been great for the college football playoffs just uh, out of sight. But um, I think 10 or 15 years from now, there'll be a lot of people who are college football traditionalists, somewhat like me, who will say, yeah, maybe it was better when we just determined the champion through the bowl system. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up is RCA88. And he says there is no such word as end line in soccer. There is no verb in soccer to go end line. Persisting with this made up non-appropriate terms such as end line and on frame are reasons why it is difficult to watch or listen to Major League Soccer. What can be done to raise this issue with Fox Soccer? It ruined the last men's World Cup. With the women's World Cup coming up, I feel like I need to meet the TV or watch the Spanish language channel. Now, this doesn't bother me as much as probably it bothers some listeners and, and viewers. Uh, but it's something there's definitely an American language when it comes to commentating soccer. Uh, and there's a lot of American phrases. I mean, just this past week, I mean, this is not on television, but just this past week I was watching uh, an AYSO game and I heard the coach screaming, like, run to the uh, to the 50-yard line. I'm like, what? <laughs> a halfway line? Come on. Uh, but, but I mean, whether it's um, – I mean, Taylor Twellman is, is probably somebody that's talking about, like, ah, oh, hit the upper 90 or it's on frame or even a lot of American expressions. I'm okay with it personally because it kind of blends some of the uh, common phrases that we know from American sports with the American language into soccer. Um, But I can see why it would bother people. And going back to RCA 88's question about what what can be done to raise this issue with Fox Soccer, to be honest with you, they're tone deaf. It's like talking to a brick wall. You're not going to get any feedback. You're not going to get any, you mean, reasons why things are done the way they're done. I did find something really illuminating this week, Kartik. And I, and I think in many ways we, we shouldn't be surprised by this. But I got confirmation from one of my sources. 
And I mentioned about uh, how Fox you know, usually goes very US-centric with their commentators, with their talent. They're very focused on having American voices. And the person mentioned that uh, a previous executive at Fox Sports, uh, his mantra was for soccer is that uh, soccer fans, well, Americans are not, gonna, not going to accept or, or watch soccer if, uh, if the actual game itself uh, doesn't have an American voice. It has to have an American voice in order for people to accept soccer and to watch soccer. And we've seen for, from ESPN <laughs> to NBC, to me, it, at the end of the day, whatever talent is available within your budget, get the best talent that's out there. No matter if they're from South America, uh, like Andres Cantor, or from Europe, or from Africa, or from wherever they are in the United States, too. There's some great uh, talent commentators in the United States, too. Is acquire the best talent to give the best coverage, rather than say, okay, I'm only going to hire American voices because the only way that soccer is going to become successful, successful in the United States on television with the mainstream is we have to have American voices uh, intertwined with this coverage. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Well, that executive at Fox Sports is no longer at Fox Sports. He's moved on to do his own company. But it, it, it makes sense, though. I mean, that, that's the reason why that we've had all of these, other than Warren Barton and maybe Derek Ray, all of these very American-centric voices. Oh. I, I forgot to mention when we went over the matches. I hope people are still listening to the show now. Uh, the, the best Fox broadcast of an MLS game I've seen for years was an all-female uh, team. So I think it's not just uh, 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 an American thing. I think American males fundamentally call the match uh, in many cases different than than we would like. So th- this this team uh, was uh, – Jen Hildreth was the commentator. Um, I'm, for, I'm blanking out of who the, uh, the other – um, uh, uh, people on on the uh, uh, on the broadcast were Cat Whitehall and uh, and uh, the sideline reporter. I'm forgetting, but they were really good, and they they knew how to naturally call a match. So um, you could have American voices using American terminology, still calling a match properly. I think um, for me and for you, Chris, where we've had a problem is where there's American commentators who call the match like they're uh, like a baseball game yep. or a football game, American football game. So uh, I wanted to point that out i meant to point that out earlier um actually had it in my notes and 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 forgot about it but uh kansas city dc united if you watch that match i thought the commentary uh from uh from the females led by jen hildreth were were much better than you typically get on fox for an mls match with an american male calling games and that's not a shot at john strong it was just the whole broadcast flowed better in my opinion and that's something too. I mean, we've had Dave O'Brien, we've had Gus Johnson. We, we've seen this uh, attempt to try to work, try to figure out. Okay, let's take a baseball announcer, Dave O'Brien, and have him do World Cup coverage, and let's take a, a basketball guy, Gus Johnson, and let's try and have him do Champions League. It does not work. I mean, it, it's a completely different language. It's 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 you know, it's like me doing an NFL game. It'd be a disaster. All right, let's move on. Nick says, I had a few questions regarding some international tournaments taking place this summer. For Copa America 2019, will Soccer Talk announce that ESPN would be broadcasting the matches, but they have yet to make an official announcement? Is there a reason for this, or did the deal fall through? So according to my sources, uh, that still is going to happen, and that is still correct. I'm standing by that. 
Uh, and then hopefully in the next couple of weeks, uh, we'll hear an official announcement. Part of it is the timing. So if you're going to be covering Copa America and you're at ESPN and you're going to be announcing this, when is the best time to announce it? It's after the, the regular seasons are done. And as you get closer to the big event to let people know, it's, there's no point announcing it a couple of months ago when people will forget about it. So I believe it will happen. And this is, uh, do you know if any broadcaster has picked up the rights for the FIFA U20 World Cup? which that is Telemundo showing the games and Fox Sports are showing the games. So check those schedules. And the UEFA U21 Championship, I believe Univision Deportes is going to be showing some of those games online. But, uh, but if that's not uh, correct or, or if you can't find it, just email me and, and I'll, I'll find out for you. And he says, I'd be interested in watching both those tournaments. Thanks for your help. Raymond Orozco, last question. How do you guys feel about a potential Central American Super League that features all of El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala, or West Indies Super League made up of teams from the Caribbean? Uh, Kartik, um, no offense to any of these countries, but there's just not the viewership available that would be interested in this. Uh, We have the CONCACAF uh, Nations League, uh, which we've seen... Very few people are interested in actually acquiring the rights and very few people actually watch interested in watching the games. We've got the Liga MX and uh, MLS Cup. This must be announced soon. Um, that's the big hope that that's going to generate some interest. And if it happens there, I, I don't think it will trickle down to those other countries. But um, let's see if Mexico and the United States can do something where it's going to generate a lot more interest. Yeah, so MLS, uh, the part of the reason MLS has been far more successful in this era than it was 15 years ago, I think, is the number of Central American and Caribbean players in the league. They've done a better job of scouting. Uh, They've found a lot of uh, Central American players and and Caribbean players who grew up in the United States. And this this is filtered down the divisions, USL also, uh, NPSL, et cetera. So – um, I don't even think they have the talent to, to, to launch a Super League. I think most of that talent is playing either in the in, in the United States league system or scattered in other places. And for the Caribbean, there are a lot of players playing in the lower divisions in England. So uh, I think it's very difficult for them to to do that. I think that's just the, the way it is. Um, look, I, when Jamaica beat the United States in the Gold Cup a few years ago, Jamaica actually had more MLS players on their roster. Uh, than the U.S. and had a goalkeeper uh, in goal that was playing in USL. So um, I think those countries have just used the U.S. league system. And um, maybe there was an attempt to launch a Super League to bring players home. I I don't think it'll work. Mm -hmm. Yep, same here. So you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. We'd love to get your feedback. We got a, a bunch this week and we really appreciate it. And uh, any questions or rants and raves or any observations you'd like to make, uh, feel free to let us know. And we'd be lovely to read those out on air. Thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, AudioBoom, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review. And Kartik, going into another weekend, we've got the Bundesliga title race on Saturday. It's going to be on Fox and uh, FS1 as well as other channels, as well as a bunch of other coverage from around the world. What should they do? Enjoy your football. Planning for your next trip? 
elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 